Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the program. We are your host, Aaron and Matthew Miller. It's good to be back in the saddle. Uh, we took a week off, but it's good to get back into the saddle tonight. We are going to talk about Ordo Satanus, the Order of Satan. So let's start from the very premise, the very foundation that we're laying here. We are saying that Satan himself is not a singular person. You stumble upon this simple fact in the Hebrew where it's, it prefixes Satan with the hey. This is, it's usually hasatan. It's usually the Satan. Now, that being the case, you need to understand that hey is never put on a proper singular noun. It's not put on anybody's name. There's not the David. There's not the Levi. There are the Levites as a group of people, but never is there a, uh, a the Ahab, the Saul. It's, it's, it's not hey Saul. It's, it's never that. So this whole thing, when you realize you have to come to grips with the New Testament when it says that what what is there between, of course, Jesus and you want the text to say Satan? It doesn't. What does it say, Aaron? Mm. It doesn't say that Jesus is opposed to Satan. It gives another proper name. What is that name? Uh, it says, what does have Christ to do with Belial? Belial. Um, is used a lot of times in the Old Testament. Uh, usually, when it says sons of Belial, uh, for instance, one one person specifically known as a son of Belial was Nabal, the original husband of Abigail, and then the two sons of Eli were called sons of Belial. And um, <clears throat> the term means the thing who no longer has worth, or its worth has worn out. Um, and sometimes it is used as a proper noun, as an actual name of an entity. 
um, we were reading in Nahum when his right. name was uh, shown. And this entity is uh, referenced in the Dead Sea Scrolls as a being of darkness, representing the sons of darkness and lawlessness most specifically. Thus, it should connect you straight to the fact of the term the man of lawlessness and the son of destruction. Well, that being the case, Aaron, you know, we have to come to grips with what's being stated here. We have to come to grips with what is going on. And of course, you've put together a list for your own entities that Satan actually is. And we've likened this to the simple fact that there is the angel of the Lord. And when you really look into it, the real thing that makes sense is that it's almost as if whichever archangel is sent at that time, that is the angel of the Lord. Let's use the book of Revelation to explain this. Um, of course, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Another sign was seen in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven crowns. Then you go down to verse 9, and it says, The great dragon was thrown down, the old serpent, he who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. So, was just one of those heads referred to as Satan? Good question. Satan, we are referred to in Scripture as in um, Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1. I've mentioned this several times on broadcast. There are two, two Leviathans, one called the fleeing serpent and one called the crooked serpent. Um, and... I struggled to find what to what the scripture calls these. One of them is called Rahab. But one of them, another one of them, we of course know. Satan, as this text, as the book of Revelation comes out and tells you. They have different names for each of these groups. They all had seven heads. Well, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's what this text is saying here. Um, that being the case, Aaron, we also have this instance other where in the book of Revelation it plainly states that, that this dragon is what uh, uh, the woman rides. Well, so, no, let's be clear. It says a scarlet beast. Okay, so it kind of mixed, mixes the beast from the sea with this dragon. Having a red color, scarlet is like reddish color, and it mixes it by calling it a beast. Right. So, which is interesting in itself. And here we have, you know, in that text, it states very plainly that there are seven heads to this. There's seven different angels behind this entity. Mm -hmm. So, clearly, uh, this term for Hasatan should be used exactly how uh, the phrase angel of the Lord is, is used. It's referring to one of those archangels. It's referring to one of them. So uh, with this in, in mind, uh, you know, you've actually come up with a pretty good uh, 
schemata for the list of these names. Why don't you give it to the folks one more time? Okay. Azazel, Semael, Aramiel, Nabu, Kazdi, Belial, and Abaddon. So, you haven't put this list together lightly. Uh, no. Um, in fact, it took a lot of reconstructing to do because the Ethiopic chapter uh, um, of Enoch chapter 69, it is where it names these five who have fallen, uh, referenced in um, Revelation 17, 9 to 10. Um, it, it names those five who have fallen, but they're I, I did, had to do a lot of reconstructing because it was really corrupt. That Ethiopic, that part of the Ethiopic text is like really messy, and um, there, if you have any, you know, scholarly commentary on Enoch, they'll come out and tell you this te this part of the book is clearly really messed up, and I don't know why. Could have been because of whatever document they were trying to copy it from was really destroyed. Or the Lord God Most High did not want these names being published. But to the best of my ability, I was able to reconstruct them. And I did that basically by putting the symbols together of uh, the – and putting it in Hebrew letters and seeing where the corruptions could have come about. Okay, so um, I have altered Gadriel in, in that text as Azazel because – Basically, it's, it comes from Greek phonetic corruptions to the first letter of Aziel's name. Um, the Ayin sometimes is represented by, uh, that, by the letter G. And then, of course, the D in the name um, looks... Uh, the, the Dalit uh, looks a lot like a Rosh which I've actually seen this multiple times in other texts that these two letters were confused. So uh, if you break down um, it to that, then I think that Gadriel may, may very well have come from the word Azazel, but very corrupt. So that is basically how I went through basically putting it down into Hebrew letters and seeing where the words might have gone corrupt. So, uh, these names, even though whether or not I am correct, these are the best that I can do. Um, these first five, um, whom, well, Revelation chapter 17 says uh, that, in verses 9 to 10, it says, Here's the wisdom that has, here's the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. They are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and one other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth, and is one of the seven. And he goes to destruction. Boy, there can be no doubt about it. That one is definitely the scapegoat. Literally, right now, this fatal wound, he is in the abyss. What if this one is the false prophet? He is called the son of perdition. And not only that, somehow 
he can trample on the host of heaven. Is this why it says that he is of the seven, but it calls him an eighth? Mm -hmm. He is not one of the seven. So, so in any event, it is in direct relation from either the beast, the, the the beast from the earth, or the beast from the sea. Yeah, we know that for sure. But this, of course, plays part and parcel with what Daniel describes. With well, somehow this pact between these seven entities relies on her, and of course, here's your trump card. Somehow they find a Zazzle seed. Somehow they find they're able to get a hold of his DNA. Now, you've came up with a list of names. Uh, we did a show, of course, about uh, the Rashea project. Mm -hmm. In that project, we extrapolated out that well, we start giving some of these entities names. Mm-hmm. It was there that you came up with Nisrach. Can you explain that schematic and how that ties directly to this Lilith entity you're talking about? Well, um, Daniel chapter 11 uh, is isochronal. If you listen to my dad's show, uh, The End Time Tribune, which he recently has resurrected on BTR, am I correct? Yes. No, no it's not on BTR. It's on the... Fringe Radio Network. So he's going to be talking on there about isochronal eschatology. We've touched on it a few times during this show. But it's the concept that what has been is going to be. So even though Daniel chapter 11 refers to uh, the Seleucid um, wars, yeah, right. um, these, it also is very clear that it's talking about the last days. Right. So this... When it's talking about the war between the king of the north and the king of the south, a big way to understand how this war is going on, sometimes it's having to go back and see what happened with with the Seleucids. Right, with isochronal eschatology, i.e., we talked about – well, we have talked about this many times. Rahab beyond any shadow of a doubt is tied directly to the gods of Egypt, right? Yep. So – there can be no consternation. The king of the south most emphatically was referring to that particular Rahab. And I've said this many times. That Rahab, this Leviathan, is a coalition of angelic entities that make a pact one with another, correct? Yeah, that's what a Leviathan tends to be. If you go into the Hebrew, I mean, sometimes if you go into your strong concordance, it will tell you um, that the word means... Uh, to uh, uh, to writhe, but your suspicions if you, if you read the word Leviathan and you think oh, that looks like the name Levi, it is. In fact, it's actually two words, which your concordance probably won't tell you. It means the united dragon. Right. These dragons here are united. They're united. I.e., they've made a pact. Now, we were talking earlier today, and you were liking this to your mind to a political party, correct? Yeah. So, um, I pointed out that I do not believe the Satanic Order 
which is what we're calling this, was not formed by God. It may have been eventually imposed on them, but he didn't make it. He did not form the idea in any way. These angels were originally supposed to preside over the second world, which we call the universe. This or is, the footstool. Yes, the footstool, where there are stars, there are, you know, planets, right. and, right. you know, that type of thing. Physical creation, that's the footstool. We, we've stated very clearly the only way that eschatology can make viable sense is when you realize that his throne was the footstool. And the fall fragmented this into two dimensions, and they are linked with Jacob's ladder going between the two. Yeah. So, so the physical stars, the planet, the moon. When you see the Bible saying that his, the earth is his footstool, that's a prophecy, in my opinion. That it's saying that his foot, he, he once... There was a time where he was sitting at his throne, and he had his foot on the footstool at the same time. Right, exactly. But when Adam sinned, that was shattered, and Ad and God is simply on his throne now, but his foot is not on the footstool. That will have to be reestablished when he returns. Now, now, literally, you have to understand what the Bible is coming out and telling you is this is why... He descends Mount Zion to Jerusalem, sets up his kingdom, so God the Father is on his throne, that's God the Father, and the footstool is Christ King in Jerusalem. Yeah. So for a thousand years, this plays out, and Christ literally becomes exactly what the New Testament says. Right now, He Jacob's ladder is Jesus. Amen? Yes. Um, because of him, to say that he is Jacob's ladder... It basically means that he is now the advocate. Because of him, humans have the ability to ascend right, to right. paradise in the third heaven. Which, right, which which we just did a show about that not too long ago. Yeah, you did that on the End Time Tribune, didn't you? I don't even remember. <laughs> it, it may have been the End Time Tribune. That's beside the point. But, but yeah, uh, go check that out. Definitely go check that out because it's how you don't have to go to Hades if you're a Christian. Now, if you are... Uh, a Christian, and you die, Aaron, you go the way of the thief on the cross. Amen? Yeah. You no longer go to Hades. You go to the third heaven. You actually so, go up instead of down. So let's um, uh, take a few steps back. Um, uh, my st statements according to the uh, isochronal eschatology. Um, understanding that tells you that there were two sides, the north and the south, and these re represents two of these Satans, in my opinion, and it is what uh, Revelation 17 verse 10 calls the one who is and the one who is not yet come. And after conversing with my dad a little bit about this on the road one time, um, we came to the conclusion that one of these isn't on the planet. To say, now it doesn't really, we've mentioned in former shows that, it, that Satan is king of the earth, but that's kind of a, the word for earth, it, mean, it means, in Hebrew, Eretz means 
a land, or more specifically, a firmness. This is telling you matter. This is the material world. Satan's, uh, Satan, Christ referred to him as the prince of this world. So, he may not be on the planet Earth, all but he's of in creation. Yes, You're creation is still somewhere. He's on that footstool. Yes, so prancing yes. around, going to and fro as he does. He's somewhere. That means he can be, you know, anywhere in this galactic plane. Mm -hmm. Literally speaking, he's on physical creation. Maybe some star somewhere, some planet. But yeah. So we suggested that one of these may now be on planet nine, which we, which the scripture calls Mirage. Yes, and this planet. This dark planet is in the edge of our solar system, uh, as even though we cannot see it, we can perceive it through um, the physics of things that is going on out in the Earth cloud. Right. So um, they assume it must be a gas giant. Right. They assume it must be a gas giant. Something with a lot of mass. And we've already extrapolated that we already know from our examples that we know of. We got Trez 2B, we got, you know, uh, uh, the uh, two different planets and uh, discovered with the WASP. Uh, you have to understand that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt these things must have something like titanium oxide in its, its atmosphere. It's, it's almost as if what happened was something like Jupiter, which has highly reflective upper atmosphere clouds something sucked it off and the clouds that remain around this gas supergiant is that heavy cloud which could literally be exactly what Zachariah is talking about it could be lead oxide which would literally absorb almost all the light it would not well, reflect anything let's explain what, what Zachariah said um, uh, we mentioned we did a whole show on this right time. Right, the um, Rashea Project. It's all on that. The Rashea Project, in it, it says that there's a woman inside an ephah, and there's a lead covering over it. And the suggestion here is that she is not on this planet, but is somehow there. Either on that planet, if that's possible at all. I mean, it's not really possible to be inside a super uh, a gas giant, but well, well, it, but it may be some sort of revolving body an orbiting body well let's just get real live and light breaking i hope everybody realizes that i think if i remember correctly it's a moon around mars it might be phobos i'm, I'm not sure which one it is but actually astronomers thinks that it's hollow they think it could be hollow so literally this could be a false satellite that's been made to look like a star, i.e. an asteroid, and she is contained in it. But we have to realize that this is only half the key. Having the cloven is irrelevant without the cedro seed, without the iron seed. Now you got plenty. You you got thousands of angels out there you could get the DNA from, right? But no, no. It's quite specific in the scripture when it talks about the Moaz being associated with Ephraim. So, no, 
It's got to be tied not only to Ephraim, it has to be tied to the scapegoat. It's got to be a Zazzle's prince, i.e. it's got to be the physical remains of Belzebul. And this it comes from the word Maoz. Right. Okay, so my dad, if, if you go on to the End Time Tribune, uh, you hear about the Moshe'in. They are, which he says, is there are two different uh, 144,000 groups. One of them, called the Moshe'im, are children who are, the word Moshe'im means those from Jesus. Right, those from Jesus. However, when you pronounce it, you, you have to realize that when you go up and you're talking to a rabbi about Moses, they'll get irritated with you, and it's very disrespectful. You have to call him Moshe. They call him Moshe. And you realize that the etymology of the word, when you look at it, Ask a rabbi, he'll tell you, well, literally, that says Moseses. It says Moshe'im. It's literally the Moseses. So, yes, the, the, the definition, the etymology means those from Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Jesus never had any children. Yeah, but, but even he never had any physical children. No, but the, Isaiah has a very interesting passage which says he would see his seed. Yes. So these um, – my reason of pointing this out is that there's the Mo-Shayim. Right, right. And then there's the Mo-Az. And then there's the Mo-Az, yes. Because of the Mem, the Mem is actually just a prefix that right, means right. from. That means from. So when it says – when it calls this being throughout the chapter of Daniel chapter 11 – your Bible might translate it as a fortress, but every time it says fortress, it's actually saying Maoz. And Maoz is the name Az, which is the root word for, for the name of Azazel, and the Mem. And the Mem, from, yes, from him. So this is the opposite of Moshe'in. The exact opposite. And you are given the technical data. You cannot debate it. Obadiah. In the 21st verse, God makes himself perfectly clear. They are the only ones that ascend Mount Zion. So literally for 1,260 days of hell on earth, the Moshe'im are being trained by Christ the King himself. Now let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but us pointing out this fact that he has to have, this child has to be, a relative of Azazel. Yeah, literally, Blood. they're going to either have to find the body of the scapegoat. That's not going to happen. He's in the abyss. Even if or, they were. Or Belzebul, or you've got the third option that we talked about today. There can be no consternation. Tell me about that Hebrew word that means shaggy. Some of the translations you get will tell you about the shaggy goat in Daniel. There is no consternation. He was making chimeras. And you have to be able to just come to grips with the simple fact that we've already drawn blood out of a shaggy elephant that was could be a chimera of Azazel's. He could have mingled his seed with the elephant and produced the woolly mammoth. This is real. They really did extract blood from a frozen woolly mammoth. So it's quite possible they have obtained his seed via one of his chimeras. 
But if that's not the case, you've got to find Belzebul. You're going to have to find his sarcophagus. Uh, maybe there's a pyramid built over him somewhere. Who knows? Maybe he's even in the New World. What if he's under the Sphinx? What if he's under the Sphinx? We don't know. But until they get that cedro seed, that iron seed, to impregnate the cloven with, she's being kept in stasis. Now, as soon as they find that seed, which have we come to a reckoning on ourselves? Which one is the king of the north? Which one is the king of the south, Aaron? We keep going back and forth. Now, I always... Originally, I assigned the king of the north to Belial and the south to Abaddon uh, for purposes of understanding what it was trying to say. Um, and partially just a gut feeling. Okay. But I could be wrong. Well, but we suggest that the one here on this planet is probably Belial. Okay, now let me magnify that. Okay? Where did baby Jesus flee to? Egypt. Egypt. He fled to Egypt. He fled to the king of the south. So, during the temptation, who is he familiar with? <laughs> and... Once again, uh, what does Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 15 say? Aaron, please read it in the New American Standard Bible. Or what harmony has, Belial, has Christ with Belial? And what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? So, it didn't say Abaddon here, did it? Let me say that one more time. Where did Christ the king flee to? Egypt. Egypt. That means... Which one was familiar? Did Christ the King ever flee to Assyria? No. No, he never. He never went to the King of the North Territory, right? He went to the King of the South. So, logically speaking, based on that, I'm going to have to go with the King of the South is the other. Abaddon is the King of the North. So, anyway, that's beside the point. We could be wrong, right? Because God doesn't come out yeah. and tell us. Um, now, Abaddon, you, um, most of you are probably familiar with this, Revelation chapter 9, and it describes his fall. Verse 1, um, Revelation chapter 9, verse 1, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to earth, and the key to the bottomless pit was given to him. Why is he given this key? And we are told specifically he has the title of a king, which is very uncommon common for which angels. You're going right back to the seven kings or seven mountains where the woman sits. Yeah, it says so, in verse 11, there's a king over them, the angel of the abyss. And his name is, in Hebrew, Abaddon. So what if the abyss is on Marath? Oh my goodness, here we go. <laughs> what if it's on Miraz? Well, that would destroy uh, over 40 years worth of intense research, actually, since I was age 10. Um, so that's that's going pretty far back. This is what I have come up with. You know that we're on a 23.4 degree axial tilt. Yes. That means our north and south pole are rotational axes. 
does not line up with the sun's, correct? Mm -hmm. This creates an X in the middle of our core. Our magnetic field is 23.4 degrees different than the sun's, than the solar system's mag magnetic plane. Okay? I've always stated on the great day of who sitteth upon the throne, when our axial tilt goes back to zero, this magnetic lock, that's what it is. This magnetic lock is opened, and he escapes out through the South Pole. You're coming up with a second theory that it's actually on Mirage. Well, and I just explained to you the nature that it is a magnetic lock because our magnetic plane is off the sun's and the solar system's magnetic plane by 23.4 degrees. But that's this an interesting much, thought. This much is true. You ain't going out of. You ain't coming out of gas giant. No. Um, What's if there was any way you were to survive entering in its atmosphere, you yeah, couldn't get out. Yeah, you'd be crushed. Um, there would be no real way to achieve escape velocity. Um, I mean, the harder that you pushed. But anyway, that that is. So what you're saying is, is that this angel unlocks mirage and they're able to take this efuk. Contamination field, this this mobile prison. So why? So why is what is Zachariah describing? He says these two women with wings, which we right. just understand as cloven mothers. They're cloven mothers, and they have produced the perfect mother. They've produced the perfect mother. The maal, the males, the uh, antichrist, whatever you want to call him. They take her and put her in the ephah cover it with lead and cover they it carry lead. it to the land of Sumer Sumer represents the north so what is this referring to when you go to Daniel chapter 11 it says the king of the south makes a treaty right with the king of the north right he sends his daughter there okay so to marry the king of the so north. the king of the south is in possession of this cloven yeah. And he sends her to the north. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the peace treaty. Why? This is... The second incursion has been going on perhaps for a long time. We don't know when it started. Um, perhaps after Christ's resurrection. I'm not sure. But this event was broken in two parts. One angel rule... Um, grew powerful, and revolted against the other. And these two, um, we suggest that one of them, who represents the king of the south, went to the planet Maraz. Um, Mentioned in Judges chapter 5. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the celestial scapegoat. Yeah, it, all it is is the, the word Maraz with a... Resh. With the, with the letter Resh. Right. Which means a head or a prince. Right, the prince. So... With these things in mind, there's a treaty that's going to happen. Um, but I think we're going to have to back way far back. In fact, I hope to cover the formation of the Satanic Order. What is the history of it? And perhaps we can open the eyes of everyone listening today 
Okay, so we have the first advent of this satanic order is in the garden. This being who came and entered into the serpent. Now you can, even though it doesn't come out and say it, um, the word for for serpent in uh, Genesis chapter three means to whisper, and this is also a word that means a witch, meaning that a spirit or a supernatural being would speak through someone. So this is implying that the serpent was willfully allowing this being to speak through it. And this being, we, the Bible doesn't say who, but um, we have a massive amount of not just apocryphal text, but legendary text, all saying that it's Azazel himself who went into that garden and which, was behind that serpent. Which would make sense. It makes sense. Be why? Because it says that he cursed his seed. He cursed his seed. His seed was cursed, and it said, it, then he says the dual evangelical prophecy. He will crush your head, mm -hmm. but you will crush his heel. This one crushing the heel is the males. This is the hope of the satanic order. This is the one they've been driving at for so long and, to make a messiah. And he has the power to somehow crush the heel of man. Of man. Now, on the other side of that, in granted that power, he also has the power to trample the host of heaven themselves. He is something else. Yeah, just uh, read Daniel chapter 10. And read have it. your mind blown, but believe it when they read it this time. So, so the scripture, it, it seems the best conclusion is that Azazel was the Satan who was behind the serpent. Right. And um, the fall... So, so we have a question. Why? Why does Satan... Is this is Satan? Let's let's bring this straight out. Is Satan in war with God? There is no war with God. There is no contestant against the Lord God who sits upon the throne. There is no contestation with Him. He is the Creator. Everything else is the created. So I have a better question. Could an angel who has seen the face of God ever conceive the idea that he could wage war with God? I mean, I would think not. Yeah, we, this is a very okay. Let me explain to you what God is. God is a being that can only be described as infinity, Inf infinite perfection. Okay, that includes infinitely good, but it also means infinitely powerful. Well, into infinitely knowing. Well, that's. That is a narrow vision that is very narrowly seen from the eyes of a man. Let me say it this way. It is perpetual goodness. When you see him, it would kind of like be seeing a strobe light or, or like a uh, uh, kaleidoscope. He, he 
he he is goodness perpetuating forward. Um, and he's not only would you be able to feel the presence of that infinity. Right. You would know that he was infinitely strong. Yes. You can never defeat him. Right. Right. He was infinitely knowledgeable. So right. he would know you were coming after him. There's I mean there's an infinity of ways that he would stop right. you before and, you And let me say that again so people can try to wrap their minds around what you're saying. His strength is indefinitely getting stronger. When you look at him, you will perceive him getting stronger. He continually gets bigger. He continually gets brighter. He is the propitiation of goodness. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So you'd immediately be able to perceive if you could achieve his level of strength at the moment you looked at him, once you blinked his eyes, you'd be like, oh, my goodness, because you just blinked your eyes and he's a trillion times stronger. Do you understand? He perpetually gets stronger, gets better, gets brighter. He is the propitiation of everything that is good. You understand? Yeah, and then the issue, the, the reason why this is, is that uh, eliminations were set by God. Right. He was never subject to limits. Right. So when he created the universe, he was, he made them with limits. Right. So God, so what we're getting at, I mean, a lot of Christians probably already know this type of thing, but okay, only a human who has never experienced God could conceive the idea to make war against him. But an angel who has been in his presence that's an entirely different story. <laughs> That's an entirely different matter. So, in my opinion, I don't think it's very much possible for any being to have ever conceived such an idea. Well, that comes from the entertainment industry. Where, really? does, the Bible, where does the Bible say, Satan said, hey, let's go to war with God? Where does it say that? It doesn't say that. People assume the fact that Jesus was always warning his disciples against the enemy, their enemy. He never called it his enemy, but... <laughs> yeah, he don't... No. So, this... These points say, why then? Why... Why is he the very epitome of evil? Okay, so first of all, he is the blame for all sin. Azazel is the blame for it all. Right, he is the scapegoat. No doubt about it. Scripture says that God blamed all of Israel's sins on, on him. On him. Yes, on him. Let's read Leviticus chapter 16. So, say this Azazel probably formed the satanic order. He may have been the most presiding power over them all, but as the prince of this world, his job wasn't to be a Satan. Right. So I described it, and my dad touched on this a little, is that I described it today as a political party. So there are 100 senators in the United States. Right. Two from each state. That's right. Their job is to make laws. Right. They make the laws for the judge to... Enforce. Uh, in, uh, no, the judge well. to judge and condemn with, and the executive is to enforce. Right. But the Senate's job is to make laws. That has nothing to do with being a Republican or a Democrat. Or a Democrat. Or any, of those, or any of those others. Right. You have that job to make laws. Okay? 
but they associate with the parties. The parties, uh, um, the most common and largest parties are the Republicans and Democrats. Those, this is the way of them saying that if I'm part of this party, I will make, I will vote for laws uh, for making laws according to that party's ideals. So God created angels like the senators. Okay, so all angels are, all angels are senators in this this line of thinking. That means that these angels, the satanic order, agreed to help this this party line, which was Azazel's ideas. Yes, but their real job was to be govern the Go universe. Right, govern creation. This creation, anyway. So this physical matter universe, this is what they were supposed to rule from. But Azazel had a different plan. And where did he get this? So I've mentioned this before, how many so it's, – it's a ridiculous amount how many times you can find this event in stories. But I'm going to um, take it from the, uh, Ar uh, <clears throat> the Armenian uh, – uh, penitence of Adam, it says. And the devil replied to him and told him, You did nothing to me, but it was because of you that I have fallen upon the earth. The very day where you were created, on that day, I fell from before the face of God, because when God breathed spirit into your face, you had the image and likeness of the divinity. And Michael came and presented you and made you bend down before God. And God told Michael, I have made, I created him Adam according to my image and my divinity. Then Michael came. He summoned all the troops of angels and told them, bow before the likeness and the image of the divinity. And when, and then when Michael summoned them and all to bow, them to bow down to you, he summoned me also. And I told him, go away from me. I shall not bow to him who is younger than me. Indeed, I am a master prior to him, and it is proper for him to bow down to me. Six classes of other angels heard that in my speech, and it pleased them, and they did not bow down to you. Then God became angry with us and commanded us, them and me, to be cast down from our dwellings to the earth. As for you, he commanded you to dwell in paradise. So, um, this is the age-old tale of the, well, the prophetic narrative that the older will serve the younger. Oh yeah, uh, this is very clear. But most, uh, so you, you all thinking that Satan rebelled against God? That that story, Lucifer's rebellion against God, that is strictly medieval. Yeah, that's strictly entertainment industry. It, it came in, in medieval times. It came from there. The most ancient of texts. If they ever try to describe the fall of Satan, this is how they describe it. Let me tell you, and another one in the Gospel of Bartholomew. And the devil said, suffer me, and I will tell, tell thee how I was cast down from this place, and how the Lord did make man. I was going to and fro in the world, and God said unto Michael, bring me a clod from the four corners of the earth, and water out of the four rivers of paradise. And Michael brought them, and God formed Adam into the regions of the east, and shaped the clod, which was shapeless, and stretched sinews and veins upon it, and established it with joints. And he bowed before him himself for his own sake first because he was the image of God therefore he bowed to him and I came from the ends of the earth Michael said 
bow down to the image of God, who has made who he has made in his likeness. And I said, I am fire of fire, an angel the first angel formed, and shall I worship clay and matter? And then Michael said to me, Worship, or else God will be be angry with you. And I said to him, God will not be angry with me, but I will set my throne over his against his throne, and I will be as he is. So, a connection to the um, uh, Isaiah chapter 14 event, but not quite what people think. This is a rebellion against man. Right. It's it's describing a a consternation between this this phrase, and of course, you you get this from uh, you know what you're really getting this from is where this phrase where man was given dominion. This is where this idea is coming from. So can you explain that a little bit, Aaron? What what is the the uh, the phraseology there? What was Adam given dominion over? Can you explain that for just a few minutes? Okay, so you go into Genesis chapter 1, uh verse uh, 28 and it says God blessed them and he said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth so let's go to the Hebrew behind the living now when it says every living thing it is the word kaya or Kai. And this is the word you get for the Chayoth, or the living creatures of um, uh, Ezekiel chapter 1. So this term, the living beings, is it implies the angels. And why I think so is you have to move on to Genesis uh, chapter 4. So it's very hard to understand um, in English. So, um, a lot of, I'm actually going to go towards the uh, Thompson translation of the Septuagint. And he says, Though thou hast offered right, if you had not rightly divided, would you not have sinned? Be composed. To thee shall be his recourse, and you shall rule over him. Okay, and so you go to the Hebrew, and it, it's very hard to translate transcribe but it says if you don't do well sin crouches at the door it's desirous for you but you will rule over it now the issue here is that um the word for sin is feminine and then the word for its desire for you is masculine that means it's not re referring to the word sin it's referring to something else the word for crouches is Rabisu, the Assyrian word for the masking of Sumerian mythology. They were the uh, seven evil beings. So this is basically referring to the Satans. And um, this actually is God speaking to Cain. And it's, what does Christ call the devil? The murderer from the beginning. The murderer from the beginning, which is a direct reference to who is the first murderer. Cain. Okay. Now it says when it, its desire is for you, the Septuagint says it it is subjected to you. You can rule over it. 
But the word for desire here, why why would the Hebrew say desire? Well, it uses the same in Genesis chapter 3 when God says to oh, the woman, Oh, no. Your desire will be for him, but he will rule over you. Are you saying this is using the same phraseology? The exact same phraseology. In, in reference fact, to the Assyrian word, Rafizu? Mm-hmm. So literally, you realize what you just shared with the entire world, unedited and uncut. These beings were under his command. This, when God is telling Cain this, they are under his power. He says, you literally have the power to rule over this being. But it is using sin to drive you out. To drive you out. So, um, Azazel... Again, the father of lies and the murderer from the beginning. This is probably Azazel again. So literally what we're talking about here is they were not rebelling against God. They were rebelling against the dominion God had given man. Yeah, and man is looking for a messiah. They're looking for a maoz. And I think the fact that God is giving them that, that curse slash prophecy of the one to bite the heel, it seems that they have been driving after this for a long time. These angels have hated humans from the beginning. Let's do this. It's time for us to get on the second leg of this broadcast. We have a serious problem here in Revelation chapter 12. You have to come to grips with what it's saying. Eventually, the rubber must always hit the road. They fall. They fall. Revelation chapter 12 describes the event as if Satan's tail swipes them out of heaven, correct? That's what it states. Now, the problem is, is that in any event there is war, they try to go back up Jacob's ladder. You don't have to like it. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. There was war in the sky. Really? What translation is that? Uh, yeah, we'll use the New American Standard Bible. Uh, there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war, and the dragon and the dragon and his angels waged war. Here we get to this very strange verse, verse 8. They were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. So, this war takes place, they fall, and there must be an event somewhere in the biblical narrative. I know the Lord my God, he's no respecter of persons, Aaron. He's, he's just not. So he's just going to just walk up to you, give you both barrels of Bible prophecy, stick it right square in your chest, and pull both triggers. That's what he's going to do. He don't care. He just comes out and tells you. There must be some place in the biblical narrative that tells me why it is they're not strong enough that they can no longer, well, they no longer have their place, a, a place for them in heaven. Now, either Michael does something to him, the good angels do something, or the Lord God Most High does something to him. But what if, okay, Psalm chapter 74 goes into... Ah, the book of Asaph. Into long detail saying that these, the Leviathan's heads are crushed. 
It says they've come to pollute the holy place. Now the word for place here, not a place found for them, is when is also used by Christ when he says, when you see the abomination of desolation in the holy place. And then we see the same pa- uh, description in Daniel when it says that the, the little horn or mm-hmm. the uh, false prophet, also called the Antichrist, when he raises himself up, even to the host of heaven, he causes them to be cast down. What if this very event, they are bringing him up there into the holy place and trying to set him up there, but they can't. That place has already been made for someone else. It's already been made by someone else. Most notably, there can be no argument with the book of Obadiah. The Moshaim ascend Mount Zion. Read Revelation chapter 12. He has no, God has no problem coming right out and telling you what he himself does in the apocalypse of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26. He comes right out and tells you. He snatches those kids and takes them to Mount Zion. And the, when it says they are not strong enough, this brings us back to Isaiah chapter 27. verse. That's, that's the apocalypse of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 27 right after Isaiah chapter 26, which gives you full details of both groups of the 144,000. Sanctus supplementium. This is the rod of iron. Yeah. Um, the, the, just so you don't, you people don't get mixed up, uh, the Apocalypse of Isaiah is not another book. No. It's it, inside. It's a section inside right. of our it, canonical It's Isaiah chapters 24 through 35. Okay, so in verse in chapter 27, verse 1, it says, In that day the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, the first Leviathan, okay. with his fierce and great and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent. Okay, so here it says he uses his sword. He must be in play. He's telling you that he himself is coming down, and he uses his own sword on the Ordo Satanus. And it describes this sword as being mighty or strong. They, these Satans, are not strong enough. And the strength of that sword, I mean, do we take it, this literally, that this is it's the sword that's in his mouth? Okay, let's do this. Literally, physically, what it sounds like to me is it is the opposite of a lightning bolt. What it just sounded like happened to me is he takes his sword and draws out their strength. Okay? That's literally physically what it sounds like that he has a lightning rod in his hand and literally their juice jumps to him. So who is this? Is this God the Father? This God is he who sitteth upon the throne. So God yes. the Son, uh, God the Father is going, is coming out and he's the one who takes the Leviathan head on. Right. He um right. with he crushes their heads. Right. And he pierces them. Right. And he shatters them most specifically. And the um this army then because because of their transgression, who because they subjected themselves to the little horn, to the Antichrist, they become subject to him. And they, the scripture says in Daniel, he can trample over them. Right. Exactly. So um. Uh, with um, we got carried away again. I just established the 
the very purpose the satanic order was made. Well, let's describe this. I can't let you move on yet. Once again, the very first chapter in the Apocalypse of Isaiah, God comes right out and tells you what he does. Verse 21. So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high and the kings of the earth. They will be gathered together like prisoners in a dungeon and will be confined in prison. This is what he does. He takes his sword, draws out their strength so they no longer have the power to go back up Jacob's ladder. Um, so literally, I mean, like I just said, he has no problem. He's no respecter of persons. He's going to tell you what he's going to do. You just have to figure it out because it, that's just the way it is. If you believe it, You'll understand it if you don't believe it. If you're reading the Apocalypse of Isaiah like a little golden book, you're never going to understand it because you've rejected what he said. It's it's kind of like this whole narrative is, let me be forth with you. Uh, Aaron, you know the Hebrew and the Greek, right? The book of Revelation? Mm -hmm. Can you riddle me this, son? Is the word rapture or the word antichrist in Revelation? No. Okay, say that one more time. Maybe maybe I didn't hear you correctly. Yes or no? No. So, that being the case, it probably means you don't believe it if you're looking for the Antichrist and the rapture and revelation. Because it ain't there. Yeah. Okay. So, you can reject that. Yeah. I've used the word Antichrist to refer to the false prophet. Uh, he is a false Which, Christ. Yeah. Uh, Maos, a... Uh, he's what the Satans are using for their Messiah. Right, exactly. And he's going to have to be the Messiah, the Messiah Ben Ephraim people are looking for. Right. Why? Because the Psalms call Ephraim God's God. Maos. Well, you don't have to like it. Um, it. Just That's what it says. And we've mentioned it before. Um, we can go to that verse again. What's the verse, Aaron? Okay, so this is um, Psalm 60, verse 7. And in the passage it says, Ephraim is my helmet of my head, and Judah is my scepter. Okay. The word for helmet is mouths. Okay, so you, so you can see where people aren't being consistent with their translation. So literally, it says the mouths of his head, Rosh. 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 So it says, Maoz Rosh. Literally, the Maoz is the prince. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's no really getting around it here, and you have to realize that this exact phrase is stated again in Psalms 108, verse 8. Yeah, and then, of course, we're told the scepter. So literally <laughs> speaking, um, wow. We're doing a lot of giving... The fact and not explaining. I hope we're not throwing things above everyone's head. The scripture is clear that um, so God comes. This is the day he who sits upon the throne. Right. This is the sixth seal. Right. This is this, sixth at the very sixth seal, and if you read in Revelation at the sixth seal, the stars of heaven fall like figs. figs. Like figs. Like unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. So they're not ready for this event. They're not ready for it. Oh, they're not prepared. And when it comes, and when this wind comes, it blows them down. So literally what it's saying is that he gets off, off of his throne. 
He rides the cloud, just like Isaiah says, and on his way to the footstool, he sweet he drags them out, or pushes them down, or blows them out of the head. Yeah, this uh, this event of trying to set this guy up. Right. Is he really trying to set up his throne next to the Most High? We don't know. God doesn't give us the technical data, but whatever it is, it ticks him off, and he comes off the hook. The Lord God of heaven comes unhinged. He who sitteth upon the throne, the book of Daniel plainly states, he gets up. He gets up. So Daniel describes, hey, a bunch of these thrones were set up, and then God takes his seat. Um, Literally, the book of Revelation, it states in a different way that during this time when God has vacated his throne, there is silence in heaven. Do you understand? Yeah. This is, that's uh, official. This event is God, is also at the tribulation trigger of right. the false Christ, this right. this uh, false prophet trying to cross the Euphrates. It crosses the Euphrates, and that's the tribulation trigger. God comes down, he crushes the heads of Leviathan yes. in this event, and then with his scepter, Judah, he replaces them. Yes. He replaces them with, well, I mean, it's pretty hard. The scepter is the Mosheim, those from Jesus. Yeah, right, those from Jesus. Yep. So, um, with all this, we know what's going to happen. And the, um, Azazel, having established the satanic order, he didn't know how to make seed yet, but he figured out on the first incursion. I don't know if he had fallen as those texts said. Did he actually fall from heaven at this event? I don't know. When he refused to bow to Adam. But he figured out a way to make his seed. He was like, oh, I see there's a prophecy I can have kids. So he literally transgresses his own angelic natures. Angels are not supposed to reproduce. Right. Scripture says they're not supposed to marry. But he must have transformed his body so that he could. I mean, this is like, this probably took some like scientific reconstruction of the body. But uh, Enoch says that they polymorphed themselves. They polymorphed. And that, that they might have had to, they might have had the genetic material within them, but they had to construct it into a strand that could be uh, genetically <laughs> put together with a human. Right. right. So. He gets the idea, I have seed. I can make seed so I can make children. So he moves on to the first incursion. This is when he forms the order of Rahab. Rahab is made up of what Enoch calls it the watchers. Daniel also refers to them. Seven of those, they're not part of seven uh, of Satan. They're a suborder. The suborder of Rahab is ruled by Azazel. Well... I guess that is the final nail in that coffin, right? Yeah. I do have one other thing to state. There is a prophecy that Christ the King would come in on the foal of a donkey, correct? Yeah. And you stated that it was Satan, that, or that it was Azazel that spoke through the serpent. Yeah. Let us remember, go all the way back to this, well... 
We all know about the prophet that marked up the wrong tree, which is impregnated in end-time Bible prophecy. And the angel of the Lord spoke through what? His donkey. Oh, and this angel of the Lord is called, guess what? Hasatan. Well, 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 well. Um, the history, I, I guess if we're just running out of time, we're unable to fully cover the history of the Satanic Order, so we might have to have a sequel. We may have to have a sequel. But we uh, actually might make right after this one, because we are behind. We are behind. Well, we took a week off. Um, and on top of that, uh, right in the middle of our anniversary, so uh, very important to spend time with your mother. But uh, important things going on. Uh, Aaron made mention earlier. We have have rebooted the End Time Tribune. Uh, you might want to check out that Primer episode uh, to get a grasp and a handle of where it is the End Time Tribune will go. Um, that's on the Fringe Radio Network. Um, Aaron, uh, you just published another book. Yeah. Uh, so what's so, that? So I've uh, advertised for. Um, my Book of Enoch, uh, Interlinear, Key to the Strong's Concordance. I have, since then, made an, uh, made a second edition. And this second edition, I not only edited the translation to mm-hmm. um, to like to line up with scientific things, I was able to incorporate Miraz to our surprise. And um, but we, but I also added reconstructions of the book of of the Lost Book of Noah and the Lost Book of the Giants. Right, and which is completely separate. Yeah, so those are in the appendix. So that's a bonus. Yeah. So in but but you can get this one for the same price as the other one. I also way f- fixed the format, which which that's why we needed to do that. You yeah. just don't put out a second edition with corrections. You need to give people something more, so that's why you included yeah uh, the other fragments. So um, how can they get a hold of you? How can they reach you? Oh yeah, I didn't get to say my third book. Oh, um, my newest one, which I actually published a few days ago, now okay. available available on Amazon, is my reconstruction of the Gospel of the Hebrews. Of those who may have not heard of it, viewed or read anything of the works of Jerome or Oregon, or Origin, how you pronounce it? Origin. Um, they <laughs> referred to the Gospel of the Hebrews plenty of times, where they refuted all the other all the other apocryphal gospels. They actually considered it. Although they were neutral on its authenticity, whenever they were having com- whatever they were writing in their commentaries about scripture, they would sometimes go to that text for interpretation. Why? Because it was hit, written in Hebrew, and the original Messianic Jews, who were called the Nazarites, they or the Nazareans, these people actually that was their you know main gospel that they used because it was Hebrew. And it may very well have been the uh, source, uh, one of the main sources of the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of uh, Luke. You know, as, as they say that they used other eyewitnesses and sources. So um, I reconstructed it to the best of my ability. If you are interested at all, uh, it has some pretty interesting things. And by the power of God, I will. I think I really did uh, actually crack the code to that one. So if you are uh, looking into that, it's called the uh, the Messianic Gospel of the Hebrews. 
just check that out on the Amazon under my name, and you can find it. Uh, you can get me on uh, Facebook if you want to contact me there. Uh, I'm also available on Instagram at punkmo uh, underscore rocker. All right, as far as I'm concerned, you can always find me at Matthew Miller 49. That's Matthew Miller, and then the number 49. Uh, that's the uh, Facebook and Twitter. So uh, you can also reach the main uh, main site according to the scripture .wordpress.com. It's a free site, no money invested into it. Uh, so it's just a WordPress site. But you can go there and get what I believe, where I stand. You can get uh, the base information off a lot of that stuff. Of course, we uh, also have the Sign of the Son of Man site, which is all about Jupiter. It's got a lot about uh, Mirage on there. So, yeah, there's some, there's a couple of sites I got going on there. But <laughs> Why did I not know this one? <laughs> uh, well, I've I worked on it a very long time ago. Uh, but anyway... Um, Matthew Miller 49. Uh, and don't forget if you've got, uh, let's say you're in an institution of higher learning and you're trying to work out uh, your dissertation, get hold of us. Um, if you'd like us to cover uh, a topic that you're wanting to do uh, at the uh, collegiate level, just let us know. We'd be more than happy uh, to do that. We have done so many times. Aaron hasn't, but I have helped many people get their degrees yeah and me uh i'll just be if somebody gets those messages if i get those messages i'll just be rubbing my hands together i'm just i get excited about the bible y'all should yes it energizes you it is the force of my nature um it has literally my entire time been you know a light into my feet and a lamp into my path um it's words I have hidden in my heart. Amen. Um, well, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.